Everybody, thanks for checking out my show today. I'm going to be talking to Scott McClellan, and he wrote a book called Twisted Tech, The Death of Privacy in the Digital Age. Here it is. Um, interesting uh, conversation we're going to have, and um, because this, the topic is so complicated, privacy, and it feels antiquated, and it's... Uh, starting to feel like maybe in exchange for all the modern conveniences that we have and me included uh that privacy is becoming less and less important in our lives but uh in the book he talks about how uh that's a problem because people are opportunists and there's lots of bad actors and when privacy disappears and technology is used especially by the government um big tech but also and specifically the government, um, that's a very dangerous thing. And it can rapidly erode our freedom and we'll start self-censoring self ourselves. And then we won't have a private life and uh, which is already eroding and we won't have a secret life. So does it matter? We have public lives, we have private lives, we have secret lives, are those things that matter? So anyways, hope you enjoy the conversation. Thanks for checking it out. Would you like to live? The David Bramante Show. For joining me. Happy to be here. So I want to talk about your book, uh, Twisted Tech. Got it right here. I read it. And uh, as I was mentioning to you, um, for whatever reason, I just opened up, which I rarely do in advance, but I was just like flipping through the pages like, uh, oh, oh, to my late grandma, Mary. And I was like, oh, that, that got me. Who planted a passion for reading and knowledge in me at a young age, as well as a healthy distrust of government. <laughs> <laughs> what was Grandma Mary telling you about government? Uh, just not to, she, she warned me to always uh, watch like how much money the government is spending versus what the return on investment is. So uh, whenever I was uh, helping clean out her house, I kept finding a letter to the editor after letter to the editor uh, she would write to congressmen, uh, like scolding them for tacking on like 100 page last minute amendments that the lawmakers didn't actually have time to read. And I just I thought it was really funny because in my current job, um, in my nine to five, I also track government spending. Uh, so I just. Uh, yeah. Yeah, really. So, that's crazy. so was she also a journalist or why was she sending these letters? <laughs> uh, I guess that's a great question. Uh, she she was a she was a lot. She was a school teacher. She was a librarian. Uh, she helped out in church, uh, but she really just loved reading. She loved teaching people how to read. She grew up uh, whenever she grew up. Uh, it was hmm, I'll say. It just she grew up in a different time where a lot of people did not read and didn't see much value in reading. So she would go out of her way, uh, even from me and my siblings, even from our youngest days, whenever we went over to her house or she visited us, she would always take time to read to us, read stories. And I think that uh, helped really form my way of thinking and uh, ultimately helped me come to my current job. That's so cool. Yeah, I know reading is so powerful. 
I'm uh, I'm reading right now. I forget the exact title. It's the stories of King Arthur. And oh, Tampa. wow. There, there's lots of variations, but it's in old English. And I started reading it to my kids, my eight-year-old and my five-year-old. And I was so, I never read old English, especially out loud, you know? Yeah. <laughs> in the beginning, I was just clunking through it. And now I'm like flowing. Like, damn, I love old English. This stuff, like I, the way that, it, you know, it's not really old, old English. It's kind of imitating yeah. it, this version. Um, but yeah, we'll hit like words, which I kind of know the definition, but my kids will be, they'll ask, oh, what did that word mean? So I have a dictionary too. And in the beginning, my kids were like, oh, the dictionary, I look up the <laughs> word. They're like, what does that word mean? Reluctantly, I look up the word, but now we're almost at the end of it. It's almost 300 pages. And they're like, oh, what does that word mean? We all kind of guess. And then they're excited that I look it up. So I'm like intentionally trying to do this because I didn't have that. My mom read a lot, but mm -hmm. we didn't really interact with books that way. So I'm trying to embed that in them. So that's cool that your grandma did that. It's very rare. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's jump in a little bit in the book. So I read it. Um, all in all, it's about what, 230 pages? Yeah. I just, to me, I, if I were to write a book, I have no idea what I would write about. So it's, I saw that you, in the book, you say you wrote about 5,000 articles. Yeah. So I've been... I've been a journalist since high school. I've what I've covered has changed. I've uh, I've covered a lot of local government, state government. I've covered the federal government. But one one topic where I thought was there was a lot to cover that a lot that many people aren't talking about is our relationship with the internet and free speech and privacy. Right. Uh, and I, I felt like that was an important topic. I started writing this book uh, early during the pandemic because I thought that society might be in disarray for a while. Uh, so, and during the pandemic, it, it seemed like so much of our online speech shifted or so much of our speech shifted online instead of going to city council meetings or town halls or meetings at church, a lot of people started uh, attending online or attending virtually. And I wanted to analyze and kind of discover what that means uh, for our speech on the internet. Yeah, definitely. So a lot of these articles, were they already tailored around this or and you were oh. able to kind of incorporate those articles into this book? Because it seems like the book has so much research you could pull from. So you were yeah. pulling kind of from your old articles and Some did you have in your mind you were going to write a book before COVID or... Okay. Yes. Yeah. I always wanted to, but I, I always told myself that I didn't have the time. Uh, I was too busy. Uh, you know, but whenever uh, in early 2020, there were, there weren't very many things to do outside. So I was, I had no excuses. So yeah. I um, sat down and started writing. Nice. And so from start to finish, how long do you think it took you to write this? A year and a couple months. It's tough because this book isn't what I originally wrote. So I, I've deleted uh, more than 50,000 words from this book, which is about the length of the entire book. I was just going to uh, ask, yeah. So about, so 50,000 words is about 200 plus pages. Got yeah. It. So you deleted so, about half of this, the original book. Which was by far the hardest thing to do. Uh, but that's what good editors are for. Uh, that's what I, uh, I, so I, I crowdfunded this book. So I had, I noticed, yeah, I noticed your video on it on a, was it, uh, <laughs> Indiegogo or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I crowdfunded this book. So people, my customers who my customers paid me before 
there was anything. There wasn't a book. Uh, there's, you know, there's an idea, but so they paid me and then I wrote the book and then I gave it to them. Uh, so oh, it yeah. was, you did Indiegogo for some funding. I saw that. So that was like kind of a pre-order. Yes. So I and raised $5,000 from Indiegogo and that right. covered but also Facebook. It's, uh, yeah. it, so I, I reached, I was contacting people through Facebook and then they, they funded Directing them to the, yeah. Oh, gotcha. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Cause I saw something where you, I, it looked like you raised about 2,500 through Facebook. So that was driving yes. the traffic to Indiegogo. Yes. Oh, sweet. And so total you raised about five grand. Yeah. The- and then I spent a little bit more on, you know, copy editors, other, other stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a wild did, ride. yeah, for sure. So did you, I didn't even notice who the publisher was. So uh, it's, who- mm-hmm. it's called new degree press. It's okay. a pretty new publisher. Uh, it's through a program at Georgetown university. Uh, it's not, uh, however, it's, it's open to more people than just students. Okay. Uh, so basically they give you like a framework. It's a lot of work. <laughs> Uh, but they'll, yeah. they will give you a structure. Uh, they will, you know, encourage you when you want to quit, when you read your book and you're like, this is terrible. And uh, they, they have a lot of copy editors, uh, if you, which it can be hard to find copy editors or reliable copy editors yeah. uh, if you're not going through a company. Yeah, definitely. So that's what mainly that cost covered, just working with them. Yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah, I uh, the the head of the program, uh, his name is Eric Coaster, uh, but he actually uh, direct messaged me on LinkedIn uh, a couple years ago and kind of put the idea in my head. And I told him no at the time, hmm. but uh, whenever COVID happened, I I had to take him up on it. I thought it yeah. was it felt like the right time. For sure, yeah. A lot of people made moves then, huh? Yeah. yeah. Starting to ease back into normal. A little bit, but yeah, we'll touch on that. So, okay. And then just because I was, I read it. So how old are you right now? 26 years old. I, whenever I read the book, it was confusing because I, 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 I was trying to pin <laughs> down, wait, how old is this guy? All right, cool. Okay. Well, let's jump in then. So thank, I'm always like, how does this work? Starting mm-hmm. a book? It seems so daunting. Oh yeah. I have like no interest in doing it anytime. <laughs> it seems like a cool life accomplishment. And you're selling it on Amazon. That's how I found it. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. So did, did you, how did you find it on Amazon? Was it through a category or? Yeah, I just searched by keywords. So I searched nice. like, um, I, I'm always searching uh, artificial intelligence, uh-huh. consciousness, or like, you know, there's like a handful of terms. It's very tedious to try to find books that are not, um, I mean, your book is solid. I love Thank your book. You. But um, there's a lot of just like fluff books that are like mass produced for keywords. So mm-hmm. I got caught. I've been caught on those a bunch. I haven't returned them because I'm just like, all right, they got me. <laughs> but there's one that has, it looks like uh, I just got it. And I'm like, oh, this is such a joke book. It's like size 15 font. It's like mm-hmm. double spaced. It's like what you would turn into a teacher if you were trying to like pad a book report or, you know, some kind of, so there's a couple of those like that. So I, you know, when I get really good ones, that's why, I, you know, I appreciate it. So yours is cool. I also just like generally the aesthetic of how you format it the paragraphs did you come up with that or did i had some help yeah it's but so yeah, I, I picked it yeah Thank i like that you didn't indent i like the blocks i like the spacing of it it makes it just like a lot easier to digest thank you okay so right out of the gate introduction and we won't go like page by page obviously uh-huh. but just opening it up all human beings have three lives public private and secret so you got me with the grandma thing the music and caffeine and then this 
because I've really been thinking about what it is to have a secret life mm -hmm. and is it important? What is it? Like, how devious can you be in your secret life? You know, like what the privacy part is completely being absorbed and dissolved in the public, but like really trying to figure out you have public, you have private, and then you have secret, but pub, like public and private is completely blurred. That's literally the point of your book. Yeah. And then there's like the secret almost is like Alcoholics Anonymous or um, your, the, the church or religion that you worship, you know, there's stuff like that, but mm -hmm. I mean, it's even, it can be, you know, your perversions and all of that stuff, yeah. but the technology is leaking and finding that stuff. So I think that a lot of people, including myself, I have no idea, you know, the first thing I think of is, you know, I hate like, you know, porn, you know, yeah. is like people mm -hmm. think like, oh, I'm just going to go to like what Pornhub, this episode is not sponsored by Pornhub, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but people go there and I don't, I, they, that's all being tracked. Mm -hmm. That's correct. Yeah. You don't really yeah. talk about it in the book. You don't mm -hmm. talk about the secret so much. You kind of like allude to it a little bit, but there is that element of like, I, even myself with how much I read about it, I don't feel like I fully understand how to go into secret mode and, and look and interact with things. You know, you feel yeah. like you have a pretty good grasp on how to do that? Some of it, but this stuff is very complex. Uh, one reason why I didn't go into all of the trackers on the internet yeah. is that it can it, it can be a lot of uh, computer heavy lingo. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but you can. There are ways on um, there are ways on browsers such as Chrome where you can actually choose to see what companies are tracking you. Right. And it's, it's crazy. Uh, it's, it's really weird to see because whenever I see, uh, I've, I have like, I don't know, 25, uh, like 25 companies trying to track me uh, and it's for ad revenue. Uh, but the thing is that your internet traffic is, is, I mean, it's not, it's not necessarily private and uh, it's, it goes, um, yeah, it's just, it's not private and you should be careful on what, personal information that you put on the internet because not everyone uh would use it for good purposes yeah that's the thing is like you know this is what the the topic really the point is like what is public and what mm. should be public what is private and what should be private and i do feel like you touch on it with like that you know the senators that are in their 70s yeah. asking questions of mark zuckerberg about privacy is that there is and then the you know the founding fathers concept of privacy is it's very anti antiquated of what mm -hmm. you know the concept of privacy and in your book you refer to you know the bill of rights and you know a lot but it it does feel like people don't care and that a lot of those you know like the different amendments you hit the fourth amendment a lot is like it's these are antiquated like almost um romantic ideas mm -hmm. of having privacy and there's just no way to reel it back in like we're not gonna get privacy back ever again. It's so much is out of the box and it's the services are so intuitive and so addictive for the user and the amount of data that the private companies can get and then the government can either, you know, kind of steal or buy through data brokers. I mean, it's just like, there's how is this ever gonna get reeled back in? What do you think? I, I think that private companies might create solutions like privacy solutions, but they will not be cheap. Uh, right. And 
and another thing with when you said you know when something's out on the internet it's out of the bag i think a lot of times we we might post something on the internet without thinking about the possible ramifications so we'll post something on the internet and then months or even years later we might wish that we never posted that thing um and it's and it could be something simple so i i live in an apartment i currently live in an apartment that is um it's very noticeable like where I live. Uh, I take a lot of pictures like out the window, I post them and stuff. So in that way, my apartment, my uh, where I live is easily identified to, to you know, whoever follows me or uh, whatever um, strangers who might be able to see my, my profile depending on my privacy settings. Right, I know it's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, to me, when I was reading it more, I'm just thinking like I all, public and private really have just, blended into this one thing mm-hmm. and then is and then there's the secret your secrets and it, because I you know I was mentioning to you before you know so I have kids I have mm-hmm. three kids going on four which is crazy because wow. I my mind I'm <laughs> such a young guy but then I'm responsible for these little people you know so oftentimes you know I'm having to talk to them about telling the truth yeah and lying and what's a thing you know like what's a secret what's a surprise and Really, I'm trying to navigate that. There's not, I don't know, if, for whatever reason, it's hard for me. Is like, you know, there's certain things you share with your family. Mm-hmm. There's like, you know, my daughter may say something to my son, but they don't want to share it with me. So there's all these levels of like how information is shared, like with your, with from yourself to your family, da 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 da, out to friends, and it's just a really weird concept. So, but ultimately, people are always like, well, if you have nothing bad to hide, then what's the problem? And that's a reoccurring argument. Yeah, it is. And the problem is that government has to justify its way into intruding into your rights. Uh, but then again, we come to the to the problem. What is privacy? It's not very well defined in statute. Uh, so that's that's really where we run into things. Uh, I, I'm not sure where we go from here in uh, resurrecting privacy or offering especially with kids kids are so vulnerable uh yeah. I, how do you so um you you uh you co-founded a tech company that's uh related to uh, real estate correct yeah right using uh, amazon alexa oh nice yeah. uh so and i ran how... for governor in the recall in the california recall oh okay got it's it crazy so i've dipped into all these things <laughs> And like, uh, you know, there's some stuff I'm going to share with you. You hit like mm-hmm. in the book. I'm like, this is so true. This is crazy. But what were you saying? Sorry. Oh, um, so how has being like a, a tech co-founder kind of changed your way of how you introduce your kids to technology or your kids relationship with technology? Oh, it's so weird you asked that because the reason we started the tech company was I had the Amazon Alexa device. And my daughter at the time was four or five and she spoke to the device and I saw her speak to the device and she knows it's not a person. She knows it's not a ghost, but conceptually it almost is. And she knows it's not, she knows it's not a toaster and she knows it's not a person, but it's somewhere in between. It's like a weird ghost in the shell thing. And I thought, my God, this is almost like seeing Atari in the 1970s. Like this is the beginning of AI. Like if this is Atari late 70s, early 80s, 
and look how great video games have gotten. Imagine how well voice recognition and AI will be if my daughter at four is seeing this now. Fast forward, I don't even, it's not gonna take 50 years, you know? It's not gonna, the speed it took to, for video games to get so amazing, technology is accelerating way faster than that. So it's like, what will this AI voice recognition stuff look like in 20 years? That was why I was like, oh my God, we got to start something. But I try to keep my kids away from it. You know, they do use Amazon Alexa to ask for music. It's just like, it's so intuitive and easy. That's why it's so dangerous. Like I've got hot mics in my house. You know, I've got this (laughs) on my computer and I've got three devices. It's like, Mm -hmm. I know you know, I ha- I'm self-censoring, like in your book, you talk about, there's certain things I don't want to talk about. Other times I'm just, who cares? But then I did run for governor. I'm like, my recordings can be used against me. And yeah. they probably will, you know? So that's a, it's just, that is the dilemma, you know? It's such a problem. Yeah, it is. And it's hard to tell what is, I guess, what tech is worth using because, uh, I don't have kids yet, uh, but if I did have kids, I would want them to be somewhat, I would want them to be comfortable using computers because I think that most likely their job is going to involve using computers in some way. Right. Or I think it's a good skill to have, but at the same time, I don't want to give them like unrestricted access to the internet. Yeah, the internet, I got, you know, when the internet came out in the 90s, it's so funny in your book, you talk about doom and age of empires and yep. uh, oh my god i was addicted to those games and quake yep. so when you talked about that i was like ah oh, age of empires um i had complete unrestricted access in the mid 90s so the stuff you know like wow. you just the, the photos you see the videos you see of like you know going back to porn but like the stuff we saw in the 90s it was like it was the wild west nobody yeah. knew you know anything for as like in terms of parents you know tracking and then you, as kids, you're like, oh, I'll delete the cache. And you can, I would go in and like delete the folders and stuff. And there was still ways of tracking it or whatever. But um, yeah, because I know that I was like that, you have to be super restrictive. But at the same time, I want them to know, like I want them to know how to program and yeah. engineer the technology. But I think a lot of times people will have their kids use iPads or iPhones. And they're like, oh my God, my kid's the next Steve Jobs. But really, they're just becoming really good and addicted to consumer electronics. So they're becoming a a really good consumer, but they're not becoming an engineer or developer. So I think that's a big distinction that, like, I want the kids to know how to program stuff. I want them to know how stuff works as opposed to, you know, I mean, this technology is going to be so good. My one-year-old will pick up the phone. He already knows to tap. (laughs) Like, it's just like, he sees us doing it. It's just so intuitive and it's going to become more intuitive. So all of it's so dangerous. It's just so smooth. Yeah. So, okay. Let me run through a couple things that I, uh, if you don't mind. No, go for it. Okay. So you hit on section uh, 230 a lot throughout the book. Can you explain mm-hmm. where, wh- if, where is that? Le- that's legal code, federal legal code, where that yeah. is. And, you know, cause it's, and sometimes when I read it in your book, it's a good thing. Other times when I read it, it's a bad thing. So if you could break it down, because it's a little confusing. Yeah, so Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act of 1996 provides civil liability immunity to online platforms, third-party content, uh, such as like comments. So what that means is that if I get on Facebook and I insult you, uh, 
you can sue me, but you can't sue Facebook for facilitating the insult, basically. Because they're technically not the publisher. Yes. Right. Yeah. And it can get confusing because, because people read the law differently. Uh, some people think there's a distinction between uh, publishers and platforms. Um, it can get pretty complex. So I tried to just break down like the very, um, very base level. So this was the law was made in 1996 uh, when like 20 million people were using the internet. And the and right now uh, that number has increased so many people. There's roughly 4.6 billion dollars, or, or excuse me, 4.6 billion people using the internet. But not all of those people are governed by Section 230 because it only uh, it's only a United States law, uh, United States gotcha. federal law. But the, the main distinction is, so like when, if you put comments on Facebook and insult me or slander or what it would be, libel me. Yeah. 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 Then I can sue you, but I can't sue Facebook. Yes. And but, also, but, but also Facebook has the authority as a private business to say, Hey, what you're saying is against our violations and they can delete you know, a uh, ban, temporarily kick you off or just totally kick you off the platform completely. Yes. So that's where it's confusing because it's like, they don't have, they're not legally liable, but they are um, applying their own rules as a private business. Yeah. But then, and the, but then people feel like the platforms are public squares now. So it's very complex. Yeah, it is. It is very complex because, uh, it's, it's tough because the original intent of the law was to empower tech companies, which tech companies meant something so much different in 1996. I know, it's like so, another era. It's like, a yeah. Joke, yeah. It's like the land of dinosaurs, 96, compared to today. So what the, the original concern was that, uh, you know, you'd have these nascent companies. They don't really know what they're doing. They're trying to provide new services that didn't exist before. Uh, so these federal lawmakers were concerned that these companies, these tech companies would never get off the ground because all of these individuals uh, would just sue each other and, well, sue the company. And that and was that, happening, though. That was starting to happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was for some just it was people just calling each other like dumb or liars or cheats. And uh, people took it, the insults a lot harder. Uh, back then so they would actually sue the content providers yeah until um until this law was passed right okay i gotcha yeah so this is the thing it seems like we're still wrestling with is you know because even like uh and you talk about elon musk later in the book with this late night funny twitter <laughs> you know and i feel like a lot of people felt the same way about donald trump before he mm -hmm. was president i mean even i still find him to be funny yeah i think he is comedic um, but anyways, he's gone. But it's interesting now because you mentioned Elon Musk and his Twitter storms. And then now in the news, he's really going after and trying to take over Twitter. And one of the yeah. things he said was it's it is a public service. It's a public square now. So it's like that. This is where this thing keeps getting wrestled with is like, is it a private entity? Is it a public service like a utility? How do you feel about that with Twitter and Elon and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, uh, I'm very hesitant of 
giving the government a lot of power against private companies that they can use arbitrarily. Um, so I'm not sure. I, I don't. I don't really think that the government can. Hmm. Sorry, can you ask that question one more time? I yeah, just curious, like what your take is. Is like just specific. I know what you're about to talk about, but just yeah. like right now, I think some people maybe in your field or mine are like Elon mm-hmm. Musk is this knight in shining armor about to protect freedom of speech because he feels like Twitter is a public service. It's a utility. And so he feels like, you know, and obviously booting off Donald Trump, it doesn't matter about Donald Trump, but the power to mute, you know, a leader, that's crazy. Yeah, it is. How do you feel like, do you feel like Elon Musk is going to make it better? This is a great, big, wonderful thing for freedom of speech and people's privacy moving forward. If he takes it over, what are your personal? I'm hoping, I'm hoping it does get better. It's, it's kind of a tough area because I believe that private companies can do what they want, but at the same time, companies like Twitter, uh, Twitter is so dominant in its space. There's not another app like it and there probably won't be another one. So the, the original response to, uh, so people claim that Twitter censors them. Uh, the original response was people tell you, well, you know, go build your own Twitter. Right. But it's just not that simple whenever you need so much infrastructure to start a new company. So I do, I think it's positive that Elon Musk is trying to um, basically take over it uh, not using government power by using like money, you know, other shareholders. Uh, I think that's how it should go. Um, but I also think that Twitter isn't going to be dominant for forever. Uh, if you, I just, I don't think that government needs to watch companies to make sure they, they don't get too big, uh, because it just seems arbitrary. So for example, Netflix just lost a significant amount of consumers. And I think that's the market reacting to choices by Netflix. I think that people saw what Netflix had to offer. Uh, You know, they continually keep raising their prices. Maybe it's the content. I'm sure it's a wide variation of things, but people are leaving. They are voting kind of with their money and they're revoking services. So I think in my mind, that's the ideal way for uh, something like this to happen. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up the Netflix thing because net, we've got the Netflix thing going on, we've got Twitter mm-hmm. going on, and then Tesla is just out of the gate. I remember when the shares were $20, $30 a share. When I bought them long ago, I sold them long ago also. Um, well, I felt I sold them like $300 a share. So I was oh, like, okay. oh, we're good, we're good. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I can't believe it's still going up. The thing with Netflix is crazy. It's like, man, on a long enough time frame, you see this arc of mm-hmm. success and failure it's uh it's just crazy it's like watching netflix flounder so hard i haven't you know i don't really use it that often i think the interface is really bad and i think the content i haven't liked the content for a long time i've never liked the interface and then yeah the prices just went up like i think a a week or two ago on me before this to like 15 bucks i'm like Mm -hmm. dude i don't even use this thing that often this is now it's getting annoying like the cost benefit for me is like "Eh, can i take it or leave it and then this news comes out and it's like, okay, it's just only, it's social proof of like, a lot of people are feeling the way I'm feeling about it, you know? So I'll jump off Netflix in five minutes. You know, that's not a big deal for me, but yeah, it's interesting to see this arc and it's like a market correction that's happening, but yeah, but when they get to so such a huge thing, like going back to Twitter is, um, 
you know, it's like, oh yeah, go build your own thing. Parlor tries to do something similar, but they're built on AWS, you know? So it's like, what, build the whole thing from scratch? You know, it's like, it's not reasonable to have that be the argument either. No, it's not. Yeah, so, all right, so that's that. The other thing that you touch on, which is kind of crazy, and um, and, and this I'm struggling with is, uh, I think you said one third or up to 75% of Americans are, would be considered federal criminals based on yeah. all the laws. Yeah, it's, it gets expensive if we want to lock, you know, all of us up for God knows what breaking. What the problem is, is like you're saying before, it's just like, it's not a problem now. Like, it's not a problem that the Alexa devices are hot mics on me now, but maybe I've, there's an infraction that I don't know about. But it's like the bad actors are on, it's, I was trying, trying to struggle through this. It's just like, okay, if 75% of Americans are criminals, that's inclusive of the people running the government. Oh yeah. It's not like it's not <laughs> government. No, I know you know this, but it's just like, it's just like the, you know, the threshold of like, here's all the private citizens and 75% of them are criminals. And then the government politicians, well, hundred percent of them are not criminals. No, it's, there's bad actors throughout society and we're giving the government way too much power. And when a bad actor in the government takes it, that's actually why the COVID thing is the most, the most alarming thing for me with COVID is that seeing how easily society was controlled through fear made me worry because I'm like, God, if there's a psychopath, demented, power hungry, you know, sociopath, who wants to be a leader, if they looked at the last two years and saw how easy it was to do what happened, it's very dangerous. We don't need these types of ideas planted in people's heads where somebody's like, oh my God, it's so easy to strip away civil liberties. Like literally it took nine to 12 months. Yeah. Everybody was supportive of it. So it's just like the government having this much information on all of us and the power to just cherry pick what they want and then use it against you. But I don't see how you can stop that how do you how do you stop that me either yeah i i mean you can you know you can remove all the tech from your house but at the end of the day you're just going to have a lower standard of living so it's a solution it's i think that we each need to find out how much technology use we're comfortable with and uh, for me that meant reducing the apps i use uh i i'm not sure I joined, I joined Facebook and a lot of these other social media apps. I joined MySpace too. Um, and I joined way earlier than I was legally allowed to. I just lied about my age to get on there. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I think looking back now, I think I have joined most social media sites for like the pleasure of other people um, instead of me actually wanting to be on it. So I've uh, one change that I've made is I just put less about my social life uh, online, um, which it's not, it's not a huge difference, but I think that if we, there's a lot in this world that we cannot control, but if we focus on the factors that we can control, I think that uh, controlling those factors will make us live much better lives instead of just worrying about exterior factors. For sure. Well, just, I'm wondering that, do you have a, like an Amazon Alexa device in your house? Uh, I, I don't, uh, but I'm frequently around them and they're so helpful. I mean, um, you know, you can, oh. if you want to have one in the shower uh, or whatever, I mean, 
even if you are cooking and you need to order something else, you can literally just say it and then it's done. Uh, so I do, I do use some Alexas and, uh, you know, Bluetooth headphones, a lot of other technology, uh, but I'm just trying to reduce the amount of like mindless scrolling. You mentioned, I, I really like what you mentioned earlier when you made the distinction between uh, consumers and creators, uh, because the majority of the people who are on TikTok, who are on all of these apps or, you know, or watching Netflix, they are just consuming, which is a totally different process than creating. Right. Uh, and that's why it's so important to learn how to code, to learn how to create um, instead of just, because creating is hard. And that's why so many people shy away from it. Uh, you're probably going to fail, um, you know, at least once. And um, so, yeah, I think I, um, I think we should focus on using tech to facilitate creation instead of um, just ben bench watch things. Yeah, for sure. The other thing I you hit on a lot, which is censorship, blocking, banning, you've experienced these things. Yeah. And yeah, it, sounds yeah. You, it sounds like you've experienced it a lot, but you, you were able to, it, has it been mainly on Twitter or what platform? where you've been censored or yeah twitter twitter a lot it's been by far the worst but i uh twitter and facebook some instagram so i i was able to uh talk to people and get unblocked or unbanned or whatever restrictions oh, well who are you talking to to get these restrictions removed twitter's pr team uh they're just which is a nightmare I mean, and I've done this for probably 25 other people who they, you know, because they were not a designated media person, yeah. uh, they were screwed. I mean, they didn't even have a chance uh, to argue their case. Uh, so with Twitter, uh, they have, they've banned me from sharing my stories. Um, they have banned me from even DMing, direct messaging my stories to someone. Uh, they have marked my posts as um, like possibly... I can't think of the sensitive content and th like the, the content in question, I was breaking down how like waste of taxpayer money. So t what Twitter did is they like said like potentially sensitive content and then they just like cut off the picture. So uh, it's, it's very hard to, unless you have a strong social media following, it's very hard to like break news on Twitter. Um, but and I've I've helped a lot of people try to get out from under these bans, but these tech companies don't actually answer any of your questions. Uh, so that, I do feel like that is one of these are I what you're touching on, and because I've experienced this, it does seem like this is the low hanging fruit that can be corrected. Yeah, is having these rules equally applied, making them transparent, and understanding having a clear channel of, okay, hey, this happened, it, you know, and being able, like, there's some recourse, right? Yeah, as long as the rules are clear and they're applied equally, I don't really have many complaints. Mm -hmm. But it's just so many times I've seen people treated one way while other people are treated the other. And the major difference is the person's social status, maybe the, the person who didn't get blocked is a politician. Right. And uh, there's the Wall Street Journal has done a, a lot of good work exposing how these these tech companies uh, treat some people totally different than they treat others, which I think that's the main frustration. 
behind uh, a lot of these people who are getting kicked off. Right. Yeah. It happened to me. I, I was, uh, when I was running for California governor in the recall, I posted something long before anyone was talking about it, about mm -hmm. gas prices. And I know it's so silly. And, uh, <laughs> so I was like in Malibu and I, I was like, I feel like gas prices in like August of last year, they were around three and a half, maybe, maybe four. I don't even think that high yet. Not four. Yeah. It was, it was three. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I go, I'm in Malibu because it's like 15 minutes from me and there's a gas station, notoriously more expensive. I know that, you know, so I take a picture because it was over $5 and, or I took a video like, Hey, I'm outside here. And this is ridiculous. It was a TikTok video. I did. So then it has it, that video gets, and I was new to TikTok relatively and it got, I feel like half a million views. Wow. Over 20,000 comments. So I was like, Oh my God, I'm going viral. This is crazy. Like I woke up one morning. <laughs> so it was so cool. Cause I've never experienced that before. And it's yeah. like, you know, you talk about the dopamine, like, yo, that feels good. <laughs> that feels really, really good. So, um, and I was really engaging with all the comments and I'm like, Oh, I'm building a community. I'm having conversations. I'm making connections. And so I posted, I started posting conservative stuff. I, I was 10 years independent. I voted for Obama twice. I voted for Trump twice whatever. And so, um, you know, when you run, you can, you have to, you have to like designate no party preference, Democrat, Republican, Libertarian. And I probably lean most Libertarian, but I'm like, you know, you're not going to win as a Libertarian. So I, and you're definitely not probably going to win as Republican in California either, but I just yeah. felt like that was the right choice for me. So I marked that. And so I'm posting conservative stuff. This is in the span of a week. And a lot of the mandates came out and I posted something on TikTok, like Hitler would love the vaccine passport. Uh huh. I t I don't know. Is that extremist? Does that sound super controversial to you? It, I, it depends. Uh, I've seen people. Uh, uh, one woman in Metro Detroit. Uh, so there was a meme, and it was like, uh, it was like two similarly colored dresses, yeah. and uh, and the meme was like, men can't cut like tell these colors apart. Or, oh, like, I remember this. And she said, oh, men are dumb. And they banned her. Damn. So, on which I mean, platform? Facebook. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, something as harmless as if something as harmless as that can get you banned, it, I don't think it really matters on like what you posted. Yeah. So, you know, the eight, then I learned the hard way, the H word you mm -hmm. can't say on social. Yeah. Like that's a no go, which to me, I'm like, that feels weird. So then the following day, I wake up, you know, and I, you know, I'm guilty of this, but you have one of the stats of you know, what is it like, uh, you know, I oh, way over 50. I think it's like 70% of people check their iPhone in the first 15 minutes from waking yeah. up. Okay. Yeah. Obviously guilty. So I go to check my ticket, especially if you're going viral on TikTok, you're yeah. going to be checking that the fir first 30 seconds. So I flip it. Oh, my account's deleted. Mm. After I like literally three or four days before had a video getting 500,000 views and all these comments. And it was this thing that I posted about the mandates or whatever. So I, um, I asked, you know, there's like a, like, it's so automated, you know, appeal nice, process that yeah, nice just call the number. Yeah. Yep. Like, Hi, I got banned. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I, and then there's like a 30 minute hold time. Hi, this is TikTok. How can I help you? Like, Hey, I got banned again. 
you know, they're like, okay, please hold. And they're like, hey, we looked at your account. We can't reverse it. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay, can I please speak to a supervisor? Like if it was like that, maybe, and it was equally applied, it would feel good, right? Yeah. My account got deleted. My thing got rejected. All of those users, all of that stuff, my voice, those connections gone forever. That doesn't seem right. No, it doesn't. I've talked to a lot of people who they they use they didn't have pictures saved independently from Facebook. So I mean, some of these pictures lost or some of these people lost pictures of people who are no longer with us. And right. I mean, the, the pain that must feel, uh, you know, be, you lost that stuff over a Facebook ban. It, it just doesn't. I mean, the people should have had it downloaded somewhere else. But still, it uh, I mean, I've been on Facebook for probably more than 10 years and it would just be I don't know. It'd be crazy if all the if I woke up one day and everything was gone. Well, I was sad about connections I made three days ago with complete strangers. Yeah. yeah. I saw like if you have comments with like your grandma on Facebook, you know, and boom, delete. Like some people say voicemails that way. Just leave them and, you yeah. know, the voicemails in there. If it was just like gone. So I do think that's another thing that's a practical thing, super pragmatic, mm-hmm. that regardless of the platform. And if you get banned, you should be able to down. You should still have the ability to download your content, the connections, the images, right? That should be yeah. the easy fix. Yeah. They can turn it back on in five seconds. That's no big deal for them. They're yeah, keeping it forever anyways. Right. And so many people use Facebook to promote businesses. Yeah. And I mean, it, if your business is solely funded through TikTok or Facebook or, you know, any of these things and you get kicked off, your business is going to suffer greatly. Uh, we talked about this earlier. I, uh, m- more than half of the money I raised for my book, I, I, uh, I talked to the people through Facebook and then they funded me separately. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So it does seem like that. Yeah. It's so powerful. So it's like, you're saying, it's just like deleting someone from a platform. It's not like, Oh, Hey, you're an extremist lunatic, or you just, you know, you said men are dumb and you get deleted. It's like, it's not only just shutting down your ability to talk. It's shutting down all these other channels of like your life, you know, so that because like with marketplace being so powerful, boom, you're off Facebook, boom, you're off marketplace. So now there are, there's made, I mean, just Facebook alone, if you're making money off of that, but marketplace, it's really, you know, it's, yeah, it's affecting you financially. It's crazy. Um, I was thinking, you know, it was interesting. Like you talk about the, what Babylonian bee. Yeah. Babylon bee. Babylon bee. Yeah. I love them. I stopped sharing so much, but yeah, it was crazy. They have a hundred thousand dollar payroll and their stuff gets jacked all the time. Yeah. So, and there's actually been a, been a, um, uh, an update since this, uh, they, the Babylon Bee posted, um, posted something and Twitter locked their account completely. And, uh, the Babylon Bee will not, so they're in a deadlock. Twitter and the Babylon Bee are in a deadlock. So the Bee cannot post anymore on Twitter, but other people can post their stuff on Twitter. If, so so like I could I could yeah. tweet out a Babylon B article, but they cannot tweet it from their main account. Um, yeah. So, what so do you, how do you feel about that? Because all of their stuff, in my opinion, you know, I didn't even realize, but it makes sense when I read your book. Like, oh, okay, they're they have a conservative Christian perspective. Yeah, okay, it makes sense. It's in yeah. line with all their stuff. But also, all of their stuff is satire. Yeah, it's satire with the 
all, you know, you're in journalism, everyone has a bias. You try to mute it a little bit if you're a professional, Mm -hmm. but just selecting the article topic, there's a bias. There's biases that people can see and can't see, but like clearly they're satire. So to me, it would be a solution of on Twitter, just labeling it like satire piece or opinion piece or, you know, and I definitely think newspapers should di- eat, like clearly distinguish between opinion and news because I feel like that would save so much, so many problems. Uh, but yeah, and if an outlet is solely satire, I don't really see what the problem is of them just existing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if you read something, you should find its source and uh, it should be pretty clear. Uh, uh, the ba- uh, Babylon Bee uh, CEO, Seth Dillon, told me that uh, they have even had trouble, like, so- if, they, if they write stories on certain topics, I mean, they automatically get banned. So some topics are okay to make fun of, and other topics aren't, which is pretty weird, and it goes back to the self-censoring thing that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. If people are afraid that they're going to get k- k- kicked off Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, uh, for sharing their opinions, they're probably going to share their opinions less. So yeah, that was the thing. Just kind of jumping ahead is this, the Chinese social credit system. Yeah. This should be the most alarming thing that anyone is worried about, yes? Yeah, yeah, it's terrifying. Do you want this in America? No, it's, yeah, it's I don't it's even terrifying. want it in China. Like, I don't want it anywhere, but it's already rolling out. To me, it just seems like it's inevitably going to end up here. Don't you think, or no? Yeah, it, it seems like that unless we do something to stop it. I just don't know the process by which we would stop it. Um, because private, you know, there are private facial recognition companies like Clearview AI, which mm-hmm. already have just such mass troves of documents. Uh, Better I, than the FBI. Oh, yeah, bigger than the FBI. And the FBI just buys it from Clearview AI. Yeah. So that's their workaround. Yeah. So there are so many loopholes, uh, whether it's the Fourth Amendment or the First Amendment. Uh, I'm just I'm not sure. At least I, I can't see a clear solution to stopping a social credit system here. So you think it's inevitably going to happen? I think no. I, I, if we push back enough on it, but I just don't know if people will push back on it. Uh, again, what you were saying, so many people. Uh, just kind of didn't question anything during COVID, whether it was whether the restrictions made sense. Uh, and so I, and so many people, so many younger people today, they have, they've grown up with the internet. So right. they are used to being on it. Uh, they might have, they might care less about the things they post on it. Or they might care less about their privacy. Um, so I, I, I think it will be difficult to stop a social credit system. Yeah, I totally, yeah, I know. It's very alarming. It's just like a Black Mirror episode. Yeah. That's inevitably going to happen. So, yeah. Um, I think the main thing, though, is talking to people about, but, you know, it's like everything is an educational problem. Exactly. And it's like, oh, that's not sexy. That's not exciting. <laughs> but just thinking like the people in government, there's good people, there's bad people, but it's like you're giving way too much power to somebody that when somebody's not looking over their shoulder, the government's shoulder, it will indefinitely be like, it's gonna get abused. 
it's like even at work, you know, if you're not watching your employees 24 seven, there needs some paper clips at home. They're going to take mm-hmm. like three or four paper clips. Yeah. It's inevitable. You know, it's not, mm-hmm. should they go to jail for it? Should they, their social credit score be dinged? It's just like, where is this going to stop? It's too intense. And the thing about the social credit system, I, is that you, some people literally cannot leave the country. I mean, if your social credit score, if you live in China and your social credit score drops so much, I mean, you, you don't have access to certain low interest loans. Uh, you can't buy a plane ticket out of the country. Uh, it's, it just kind of, it turns into a nightmare. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I was, you talked about like a nation of snitches too. I did this um, during the election or my campaigning. I did this site called AURS, the Anonymous mm-hmm. Unvaccinated Reporting System. Mm-hmm. And I got, that was my second time going viral. And yeah. um, someone, some people are like, that's misinformation. And I'm like, no, 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 don't use that word on me. It's sad. <laughs> I put on the email, I put on the website, this is satire. I did AI, uh, AI generated names and faces for two scientists, oh, a professor and a scientist that started this company for the government. Uh-huh. And basically it was like, report anyone you know that's unvaccinated and enter a monthly sweepstakes to win $2,500. How'd it turn out? Well, the servers crashed in four days because it got so much. I posted, we did fake bus benches and um, a couple of vinyl banners over the freeways Mm -hmm. here in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And we got, um, I forget how many people, well, the servers were down, so we didn't ever do it. But that went, people were sharing that on TikTok, like, oh my God, look at this new website. Look, this is, you know, so it was tough because it was like, I was trying to make a point of like, we're going, this is where this can go. Yeah. And some people were like, this is real and sharing it, which I did want them. I I was trying to start the conversation. You know, I wasn't trying to alarm people, but I was trying to be like, this is inevitably the next step if this doesn't, you know, stop. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's just like, honestly, it's depressing. I know you try to end your book on a high note, <laughs> but you know, I, the third part is like, Hey, it's all great. Technology is great. But really, I mean, the first two parts are like depressing. They're yeah. They're very depressing. Because it doesn't seem there's no way to stop it. You don't have, you don't have an idea how to stop this thing. If people care enough, I think we can stop it, but it's just a matter of people. People are very busy with their own lives. Uh, so we just need to kind of show people why it matters, why it affects their daily lives. And I think that it will become an issue. Uh, I think that if enough people, well, it's tough because on some levels it's a state problem and on other levels, it might be, some people might say, oh, it's a federal problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think that if enough people kind of band together and voice voice their opinions that we'll be able to stop it i'm just not sure the process by which we'll be able to do mm. it yeah there's always hope but yeah yeah i know not to be too negative about it <laughs> um i did see that you have a lot of alternative platforms to use it's just yeah. so tedious jumping on there starting over like the network effect like yeah there are people there with other people on there but trying to bring other people with you it's like mm-hmm. i've had the same issue just like using signal or um I mean, uh, what's the other one? What's the main one? Every Discord. Yeah. Like every, it's like, ah, oh, it's like such a pain in the ass to do this and that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you have to almost become like a, you know, paranoid person who's like obsessed with the constitution and 
talking about civil liberty, patriotism, it's like a little bit of a turnoff. It's like, yeah, you just sound kind of extreme. If you talk about freedom or civil liberty a little too much, you're just like, oh, okay. You're like a conservative extremist, right? Yeah. People don't care anymore. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. How do you feel like you get them to care? I think just showing that's that's a good question. I think just showing how it relates to their life. Uh, I think if someone has kids, I think that's a very good way to start because, uh, you know, the love that a parent feels for their kids is boundless. So they'll, you know, they'll make changes to protect their kids. Uh, So I think that's one example of how we can start, start educating people, but it just we need something big that affects a lot of people i would say yeah it's like i don't want to be negative or depressing depressing on this but it's like even with the covid band-aids with kids having to wear the mask i thought Mm -hmm. there would have been a bigger outcry from parents sooner yeah so that didn't happen you know i was really resistant to it and we kept changing schools and we're like i guess we're gonna have to homeschool if this keeps happening but then Russia invades Ukraine and then COVID's basically over with, you know, earlier this year. Yeah. That, like of a switch. yeah. And then it's like easing back to normal, but it's alarming how easy it was for all of it to happen in a very short time frame. And I don't know, like, are they going to remove a lot of these tracking systems, like these vaccine passport tracking systems? You feel like that's going to roll back in Western society? Yeah, I would, I would think so. I just, I get, I, I understand the idea behind it, but I just, from seeing it in practice, a lot of people do not want to go through the hassle of uh, vaccine passports. In Minneapolis, uh, the, the restaurant scene was just decimated after they implemented the vaccine passport. Uh, and I, I just don't really see it, maybe in select states, but I, I don't really see it having much of a future. I think that fear is a very powerful motivator. So that's, that is the hope. That's like, that's in, uh, that's one of the windows where we saw, and over time people were like rejecting this thing in, like you're saying in certain parts. Like, and, yeah, I just, Denver, I don't understand. LA because... love these things, but there's other cities and states huh. that were rejecting it. So I guess that's kind of what's hopeful about this social credit system not rolling out in America. I just, yeah, I just don't understand. Things. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand how what the point is if unvaccinated people can spread COVID-19 and vaccinated people can spread COVID-19. Um, so I just, I don't really understand the point behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's just starting to become more illogical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know, even if it was that the vaccine could stop it, I even still don't believe in these restrictions, you mm-hmm. know? And then it, when it first started, we didn't know if it was going to be like a zombie apocalypse or not. Nobody yeah. really knew. I was skeptical, but, you know, obviously it was happening. Things were happening. So, yeah, it just feels like the response to all of it was wrong on the civil liberty side and then the financial side with now the inflation mm-hmm. that we're seeing. It's this whole thing is so. And that's one thing I uh, I, I look at polling data sometimes just to see what uh, unite people in the United States care about. And so far, uh, the top issues that I've seen have been like crime, inflation, uh, which interests me because I wonder if, if you know, enough people care about that, if, if 
people can voice that to lawmakers who will listen to them. Um, but, you know, I don't think a lot of people are standing up whenever the U.S. Uh, wanted the U.S. expanded its money supply by like 40 percent. And there just weren't enough people opposing it because it was unpopular. Uh, but now I think we're seeing the consequences of some of those actions. Yeah, uh, a couple hundred dollar check was great, but a uh, 40 year high record inflation is a very real consequence of that action. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, we covered a lot of stuff. Do you have anything else kind of on these, these ideas that you feel like we didn't touch on? Uh, just one other, I think we did touch on it, but I just wanted to uh, make one specific point. One point of research in that book that I found that totally blew my mind was that the most common age for someone to become a sex offender is 14 years old. I saw that, yeah, 14 years old. And uh, I mean, I have nephews who are similar to that age. Yeah. And that just terrifies me uh, because, I mean, it's, it's very hard to come back from being a sex offender. You know, it, even if two, two people, two 14 year olds, two people who are minors uh, tra- consensually trade nudes, uh, those kids can still be prosecuted. So, I mean, I'm just very concerned about ramifications of children on the internet uh, because I mean our brains don't even fully form until you know mid to late 20s yeah yeah I saw that so I am I'm just very concerned about that kids can uh, scar themselves there's a lot on the internet even with current restrictions that you know it's not great for for kids to be able to see I remember when I was also on the internet in the early days, there were websites that just showed, uh, you know, like United States soldiers being beheaded right. and uh, just crazy stuff. Um, and yeah, I would just uh, caution parents to set some guidelines with their kids about the internet and how they talk to people on the internet. There was one other, one other thing in upper, uh, upper Michigan in the last month or so, there was this senior uh, who killed himself because someone was uh, blackmailing him with nudes that he showed on Instagram. And it's just, it's tough because when you're that age, uh, that situation feels like you're never going to escape it. It feels like, you know, you'll never, your life will never be the same again. But, uh, you know, thinking back to when we were 13, life gets a lot better as you get older and you can kind of, you know, control more of your own life and more of your choices. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I do feel like some parameters and protect or like a heavier level of protection and like you get a pass or your data is deleted until you're 18 or something like that. But, you know, how does that get implemented? But it looks like a clean slate, like your record's sealed and yeah. deleted. It's not like, oh, yeah, it's sealed and then they sell it anyway. It's like, like a real hard wipe of yeah. or like a public delete, but you can download something like that. You know, I think, I don't know. I don't know how any of this gets resolved. Yeah. Well, it's just like more questions, you know, when I'm reading that. <laughs> At a certain point, in the ha- halfway through the book, I'm like, everyone's bad. Everyone's not <laughs> You know, you, I, when you have yeah. a Kanye West, you know, no, no one man should have that all that power. I'm like, yeah, that's the problem. You know, yeah. it's just too much. It's too much. So anyways, man, here's the book. I definitely recommend people reading it. Thanks for meeting up with me on this. 
Thank you so much for reaching out. In. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. So we'll just call it a wrap. Cool. Sounds good. All right. Thanks. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, reach out if you need anything. Yeah, definitely. Have a good day. Okay. Bye.